0: there, Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of Farm Equipment's podcast series, Our Dealer Story. This week's episode is part two of our podcast with seidenstricker Novi Partners, which was formed by the merger of Seidenstricker Implement with William Noby & Company in January 2020. In this episode, I sat down to talk with Eddie, Leanne, and Kim Seidenstricker. This year marks their 76th year in business. Before we head over to my conversation with Eddie, Leanne, and Kim, though, I wanted to thank our sponsor, HBS Systems. A trusted agricultural industry leader for 35 years, HBS Systems is constantly updating their cutting edge equipment dealership software. They've grown from serving one dealership to more than 1,500 agriculture and construction dealerships throughout the US and Canada. Thanks for making this podcast series possible. We'll jump into the conversation with Eddie sharing the story of how his father, Ralph, got involved in the farm equipment business back in 1944.
1: So we're talking about the Side & Implement Company. When it was first organized, my father, Ralph, started the business in Paris, Missouri in 1944, January. Previous to that, he'd worked for a tractor dealer close to Fulton, Missouri, and he was a technician, a mechanic back in them days. He went to work for John Deere, and he was a territory manager for John Deere. And in 1944, he started his own business in Paris selling red tractors, which is international Harvesters. Okay. And then he, he seen the light in 1969, <laughs> started selling John Deere tractors. And we opened our first John Deere store in Mexico, Missouri in August of 69. This year, we're celebrating our 76th anniversary. I'm oh. top right now. Of
2: uh, being in the farm equipment business.
0: That's awesome. Well, happy anniversary to you guys. When the switch from IH to John Deere happened, did that Paris store close down
2: and kind of started over in Mexico? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But we were still international dealers for how long?
1: Well,
2: 44 to six.
1: So 69, we had no more after that. Anyway, so personally myself, Hetty speaking, I started my own dealership in January of 1965 in Macon, Missouri. It was called Side and Trigger, Truck and Tractor. My dad he was my partner and after my dad got involved in the John Deere business, I sold half of my dealership in Macon, Missouri, my Air National Harvester okay. to Gabriel. He was okay. previously the territory manager for the Air National Harvester Company. We bought the John Deere dealership in Macon, Missouri and continued to sell the Air National Harvester and mm-hmm. John Deere for I'd have to check out how many years that was. Of course okay. John Deere was pressuring us to get rid of the Air National Harvester change it, over to Case IH, right. and John Deere was wanting to just sell one brand, so we finally agreed.
0: So was the business you started in 1965, Eddie, running separate from your dad's business, or were they...
1: We were partners, but I was the manager of the making store, but '69 we would have made the big change over and sold half of our air and ice, no, it was still air and ice, harvester at that point in time, so did okay. to Gabriel.
2: And the Gabriels are still involved in our dealership okay. now.
1: So, our portion of the Infima company, now called Trigger Novi Partners, our portion is owned by myself, my wife Connie, and my daughter Kim, and my daughter Leanne, and Greg Gabriel and his son.
2: Now, Gabe Gabriel, Gabriel and his son Greg. Okay.
1: That's how many that? Six of us? Yeah. Yes. Six. Okay. So we've got 80 counties to serve.
2: Oh, we serve a total of 80 counties. In Missouri, we have 51. In Illinois, we have 29. Okay.
1: And 26 locations, and approximately 550, 650, and more than 600 employees.
0: Okay, yes. wow. So the two stores coming together pretty much doubled each of your store locations, yes. we each,
2: right? We each had 13.
0: Okay. Well, going back a little bit, is there anything, Eddie, that you remember from kind of those early days before you were really in the business, but just when your dad had gotten started and things like that? Spent your
2: time going there and counting the parts and stuff, didn't you? When you were little, some things you did when you were little at the dealership.
1: When I was about twelve years old, I was a lot manager in Paris, Missouri.
2: And what did that?
1: Do? Oh, that's when you mowed the grass and line up all the equipment and make okay. the stuff look attractive or presentable. Make the lot look presentable.
0: When did you kind of come on then in a more
2: official role? or 12 years old. I was,
1: or they call it lot manager now. We have one here now, lot manager. That's to make the stuff look nice outside.
2: Back then, it wasn't called lot manager. He yeah. was their mascot. I have a little picture of him when he was like 12 in the Pears newspaper, and it says Eddie sticker mascot. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your next job after lot manager?
1: Well, I'd done everything.
2: Exactly what your next job how After you're becoming a Yeah, like when you were 15 or 16, what'd you do? We had
1: Rowcroft farm, and I helped them farm when I was also 12 years old.
2: Okay.
1: I learned a little bit about equipment at that point in time.
2: They also raised black Angus no, cattle. No,
1: we're also a purebred black Angus breeder. Okay. Of rector cattle. My father traded a Super C farm all in 1952. For two black cows and two heifer calves and allowed the customer $1,000 each for the cows. So we're one of the top seed stock producers in the nation, Angus oh, wow. seed stock producers in the nation. But that's how it started, from a trade from a tractor.
0: Oh, wow. That's great. And you're still so doing it today.
1: Seed stock producers, what you call it. Okay. So Lynn, and Kim, they got a question for you.
0: So when did each of you get involved in the business? Kind of what was the story and how you both ended up
2: working there? This is Kim. I always wanted to get involved in the family business, but prior to this, I taught elementary school, but in 2008, I had the opportunity to move back here from New Mexico and work alongside my father, so I've been working here since 2008. Okay. And and go ahead, Kim. I basically am my father's assistant. I do uh, public relations and community outreach for the dealerships. Okay. And then what about you, Leah? I have been working here for probably, I don't know, 10 to 12 years. I came from a media background. I was doing a different job in St. Louis and came to a family meeting, and I said, oh, they think you need somebody to do all your marketing. So. I've been doing it ever since. So I live in St. Louis, but I commute, work out of my house most of the time, but I commute between the dealerships and do, I'm in charge of the marketing. We have five people that work in the marketing area.
0: Okay. And then what sort of memories do the two of you have from earlier years of the business growing up, things like that? We used to come out and answer the phone
2: <laughs> and we would do <laughs> parts tickets. And we remember a big deal for our family, and our we have old customers say this too, With the John Deere days, we'd show at nighttime, we'd have a John Deere night, and we'd show a movie featuring John Deere products, and we'd okay. have refreshments for the folks and prizes like toys and stuff. That was a big deal back then. We always remember those. Those are really fun. And we always would come out here. Well, I still come out here on Sundays with my dad, and then my son sometimes comes out and helps and just kind of get organized for the week ahead. And that's always been a fun memory because I remember doing that in Macon when I was a little girl, going to the dealership with my dad on Sundays.
0: We'll get back to the Science story in a minute, but first I wanted to say thanks to HBS Systems, the sponsor of this series. To learn more about HBS's Equipment Dealership Management Systems, visit www.hbssystems.com. After that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. And to learn more about the next Dealership Mind Summit and to register, visit www.dealershipmindsummit.com. Now back to the story of site instructor Novi Partners and the story of a technician who built a pulling tractor that caught John Deere's attention.
2: And Eddie we wanna throw this into. We grew up going to tractor pool. You had a very famous tractor called The Cajun Queen. That John Deere you tell her about The Cajun Queen.
1: This is nineteen seventy one. We had a tactation in 1971, we had a service manager that was very talented, and he built a pulling tractor called the Cajun Queen, and we put a special engine in it and had it all in a machine shop done in St. Louis. His help, Van Botkins.
2: He was the technician that did all this.
1: Oh. And John Deere wanted to know more about this tractor, so we had the tractor restored back on our showroom floor in Mexico, Missouri. John Deere actually asked us to take the engine out of that tractor and take to Experimental Works. And- Waterloo, we did it as a request. But then they built a 4320 down there called Cajun Queen 2. So we're working on restoring it also now. Oh,
2: wow. That's cool. They
1: used this engine for uh, we built basically in our shop in Mexico. It was there for 17 years. John John Erie used it. And
2: what what series? Tractors? Oh,
1: 17 years worth.
2: 17 years worth of tractors. And it also the original Cajun Queen won the national pool in Louisville.
1: We had three of them and they all one Louisville Farm, Joe. So come to Mexico, Missouri see the Cajun
2: Queen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Could you, Eddie, or, or all of you really for that matter, talk a little bit about how the dealership has grown over the years from that one or two initial stores that you and your father started to having the 13 stores leading
2: up to the merger earlier this year?
0: I
1: had to think about that a lot. <laughs> you wanna say something?
2: Just had the opportunity through the years to either take over some John Deere dealerships in the area or dart some some maybe the areas that we're missing. So and we've done this by getting them contiguous counties within our AOR. And right now we're currently building a new John Deere dealership in Chillicothe. We have a location there, but we will be opening how many square feet is it?
1: I don't know, 47.
2: Well, it'll be a great addition to that area in northern Missouri. and
1: August 1st.
2: August 1st, that's happening.
0: It'll be completed August Is 1st, it, or you're breaking ground? Completed.
1: Okay. Hopefully. So the and Trigger original store was called Sadden Trigger Farm and Lawn, and that was very nice to hire with her. And then we bought the Macon John Deere store, and we acquired other dealerships. We acquired Kirksville, Missouri. Palmar, Missouri, Chillicothe, we had four under farm and lawn, side and trigger farm and lawn. Four four years ago, January 1st, we merged our side and trigger stores in with theirs. I tried to name them off. The last two years, we bought lawn and leisure in Columbia, Missouri, and then we bought rolling in Salisbury, Missouri. And
0: as those stores were acquired or merged into the business, how did that change how you guys had to kind of operate and run
2: things? Well, we broke our divisions out into regions. So we basically now, before we had two, we separated it once we became 13 into two different regions. Now we have four different regions with the 26 locations. Okay. And we have a general manager of each of those regions.
1: Right. We want to tell you a little bit about our CEO. When did we hire him? Two years ago. No, four years ago. Four years
2: ago? Yeah. So, obviously, we've gone through a couple of different management changes as far as CEOs, and we've had our current CEO for the past four years, and he's the one that led the merger. His name is Ted Briscoe. He comes from a background of computers, Apple computers, high tech, but, you know, it was actually my son's idea, thinking that this is a family business, and so to continue it for the generations that he would be the one to lead us into the next generation. He's very progressive and might not know what all the different farm equipment is, but has a great business sense.
1: He's a very quick learner, very quick learner.
2: He came from software computers.
0: Okay. And then how, since you mentioned your son, how, I guess, is that fourth generation, are they still, are they he's old enough yet. to be involved in the business yet or are they still kind of coming up?
2: Well, yes. My children, they do not work in the business. They're graduated from college, but they're doing other things right now. But hopefully my son, he's in finance right now in New York and hopefully will eventually come back to the business. But my nephew, Kim's son, he is a, goes to Mizzou. He's a senior major in ag business and he was our intern for the first month of the summer, and he plans on returning to the business, so he will be here next year.
0: Okay, that's great. His name's Chase. Chase, okay. And then anything else from just kind of memories of the business growing and evolving over the years? There's a lot of time in between that 1944 and 2020 when this recent merger happened.
1: It's just a little bit different.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Business has changed a little, huh?
1: My dad, he quit, or he chose to quit John Deere and he had a new car paid for, it, and that's the way he got his money to start into the to harvester business in Paris, Missouri. Well, I'm just going to tell you now, this might be a little bit interesting. I started my international harvester business <laughs> in January 1965 and borrowed $70,000. Wow. So, I mean, Today, it would take millions of dollars.
2: Right. And he wrote out what he needed on a yellow legal pad, And the banker said, You're never going to make it.
1: No, that's a different banker. Well, no, that was starting out with $70,000 in 1965, where I started. I had not only buy a new car, Harley.
2: Right. And he used to look through every bill, look through every service invoice and go over the service invoices with the service manager, person, or customer by customer, but uh, unfortunately now it's become too big and he can't do that anymore. He tries to stay on top of the service tickets, but it oh, I don't bothers. do that no
1: more. That was before we had computers.
2: Right. So this computer's his head. He's going to be 81 in September and comes to work every day. That's awesome. And also, well, what else?
1: I'm going to teach you something or let you know. Do you know how we used to keep our inventory on our parts? No. Like we had 10 of this part, 12 mm-hmm. of this other part, and what part depends in. You know how we used to do that? I don't. We had a box with an alphabet, and this box, is, it was probably three foot wide and four foot long, and it had all these cards in there alphabetically, and that's why we kept inventory on parts. When you sold a part, you put a flag on it. We used green flags, which clipped that on there, and then every time we got ready to reorder, we'd go through this box. <laughs> These girls don't even know this. We go through this box and you look at that tab on that flag on that card. You pull her out of there and you put her down ordered behind. hand. World's changed, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. Do you think because there's still stuff that somehow it it doesn't get marked or whatever, so you know, there's still mistakes in parts inventory and things like that. Do you think it was more likely with the flags or is it more or just as likely now we're using
1: a computer to do it we, where a
2: mistake we, happens?
1: We could track it with the flags, we could track it with a little box. With cards and flags in alphabetical order. As much we always didn't have that kind of inventory. I mean, wasn't that big a deal?
2: Mm-hmm. Now we have parts shuttles between all the stores just to keep the parts moving around, and they right. act, they move inventory around and very complicated now compared to that. Oh yeah.
1: Now we got parts rat that goes to store to store. For emergency parts and restocking parts for each different store. But that is done by a computer and you couldn't do it any other way nowadays.
0: Yeah. What are but some guess, other kind of changes like that that I just think? I, I guess the
1: great old days was from approximately 1965 to 1978 when you could, people stood in line to buy tractors. Mm-hmm. Like, you probably don't believe that, but they stood in line to buy a tractor back. That's when people could afford to finance them or write a check to buy a complete line of equipment, mm-hmm. like a tractor, a plow, a disc, planter, and cultivator. They just come here and bought that. And sometimes they wouldn't wait in line to buy it. Wow. That's when they change it in order to be more modern. Right. And a big side farmer in them days was 300 acres.
2: Yeah, you can't yeah.
0: imagine someone coming in and doing it that way today.
2: And our business has changed. I mean, right now we do, we've do. we expanded a lot with the merger into the St. Louis area, and we see our business growing in the hobby farmers or people that might be professionals that live in the city during the day or the week and then have farms on the weekend, uh, and they go out for their hunting property or their hobby farmers, and that's where we're seeing a mm-hmm. huge, the compact tractor business, and we also have gotten into the compact construction equipment business in St. Louis, so we hope to expand that market as well. Okay.
1: So, basically, we sell a complete line. We sell the sprayers and the scraper tractors. It's what we call CDP now?
2: CCE, Compact Construction Equipment.
1: Mm-hmm. We, we basically sell a complete line, John, there's got to offer.
2: From the lawnmowers up to the sprayers. So okay. So, we
1: have, I'm hesitant to tell you this, but we're starting, a, or have already started a internet sales. For, oh, okay. Internet.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of business via the getting just obviously internet leads, and we have that one salesperson that just handles all of our. We have one that does the new leads, the one that does the used leads.
0: Okay. Okay. So someone's sole job it is to monitor that stuff coming in from. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I hate saying
1: it's all about internet now, all about the internet.
2: Yeah. Well, the customers are doing all the research before they even come, and they know exactly what they're looking for and the specs and the comparisons because they've been out there researching it.
0: Eddie, would you have ever thought back in 1965 that the business would look like it looks today?
1: I would have no clue at that point in time. No. I 26 John Deere stores and more than 600 employees, 80 counties to sell equipment in.
2: Some great growth that you guys have experienced. I think that he never imagined that it would be like this or that his two daughters would obviously be working here with him.
0: Kim and Leanne, did you guys think years ago that you would have ended up working in the business or was that kind of a later change?
2: For sure, Leanne, I did not ever think I would be working in the business, that's for sure. And so just seeing that how it has progressed and that my advertising media experience could actually help in our family business. But yes, I for sure never thought I would be working here. How about you, Tim? I didn't know if I'd have the opportunity to work here, but I was always interested in the business and interested in helping my family. So Mm -hmm. it's all worked out for the best.
1: So this merger started out by John Deere wanting us to do $500 million worth of sales per year. So our CEO talked to the Nobis about buying part of their Missouri stores, and they was not interested in doing that. So then we talked about a merger. So that with this merger, we will be able to sell $500 million worth of equipment. Wow. And we're doing an outstanding in our market share and
2: it was just a natural fit because they were contiguous with our counties, and just had okay. it on. Yeah. And
1: it's working out very well. So.
2: And our families were a lot alike as far as values and history. The family-owned business, and mm-hmm. they seem to have the same values that we do. Okay, and then.
1: We like oh. to say we'd like to be the best, and to treat. We'd like to be the best to serve our customers and provide the best parts and servers that we can. Okay, and then Leanne
0: and Kim, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: We want to offer good benefits to our employees, and our customer is always number one as well as our employees. I guess you can go put all this stuff together, I'm telling you. but
0: you know, You're know, six months into the merger, how you guys kind of see the business evolving?
1: Well, it's been a great experience so far with our processes and their processes. We've changed some of them and added two, and it's worked mm-hmm. out very well. They are family just like us, we said earlier.
0: Yeah, Tom had said that. Really, it was amazing how much, really, they kind of aligned, and like you guys said, values were the same and things like that. Probably. So some-
1: we're increasing our business in every division, every day. So our volumes going up, our cash flows going up. Everything's been great to this point.
2: And it's just been good just because we do, being larger, we can have certain departments specialize in certain areas. So I feel like Mm -hmm. our customers are gaining expertise from a larger organization because we can have these experts in different fields that they might be interested in also.
0: Thanks so much to Eddie, Leanne, and Kim Seidenstricker for taking the time to sit down and share their half of the Seidenstricker Nobi Partners story with us. You can find part one of this podcast with Tom and Brad Noby on the PharmaClement website. And another thanks to HBS Systems for making this podcast possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at lestermedia.com. You can subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This will ensure you're alerted as soon as new episodes are made. Thanks for joining us for this one-on-one conversation with Eddie, Leanne, and Kim Seidenstricker. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt signing out of the Our Dealer Story podcast.